You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. folks welcome to the moisture festival podcast if you're new to the moisture festival it is a four-week festival celebrating variety arts in the fremont neighborhood of seattle it's one of the largest festivals of its kind in the world and features some of the best entertainers and comedians working today Normally, the festival happens in the months of March and April, and not only do they have world-class variety acts, the Moisture Festival also produces a number of burlesque shows. If you're listening to this during the festival, be sure to get your tickets now, because 95% of the shows sell out, and you can get tickets to all the shows by visiting the website, which is moisturefestival.org. Yeah, be sure to check in on that and sign up for their newsletter, because not only do they do year-round shows, they also do some virtual shows. Exactly. So check that out and get on the list. We are your hosts. I am Mr. Matthew Baker, and I do a comedy and stunt show all around the world and also at the Moisture Festival. And I'm Louis Fox. I am a magician. I do hand shadow puppets, and I perform all over the place, including the Moisture Festival. (laughs) (laughs) We are the hosts, and be sure to check out all our past programs with all the different performers that make the Moisture Festival happen. Performers, producers, and all the people that make the festival happen. Yeah, and be sure to give us a little five-star review, folks. We will not settle for anything less. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. (laughs) It does help out quite a bit, so just go in there, give us a little review, and uh, be sure to be nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So today we have the fantastic and ever-talented Amy G on the program. We talked to her about life during COVID, how she went from a shy child to playing kazoo on national TV in the most unusual way imaginable and her secret to keeping so many talents sharp exactly we're gonna talk a little bit about audiobooks and how that's a big part of her life right now (laughs) so let's get to it louis yes Well, we're excited to have today's guest on the Moisture Festival podcast. She has worked in theaters, films, TV, festivals, circus, variety shows and events in over 40 countries worldwide and has performed her original material in six different languages. She is a ukulele virtuoso, a roller skating queen, a hilarious comedian, and a deluxe weirdo extraordinaire. We welcome in Amy G. Now we are wow, that sure makes me sound like a big deal. No, that's, uh, I mean, you are kind of a big deal. <laughs> I said to Louie earlier, I'm like, you know, I'm not trying to you know, put down other performers, but I think like you are the, one of the most accomplished people I think we've had on the Moisture Festival podcast. Yeah. And then I said, what about everyone else? They're all gems. <laughs> yeah. You can't believe everything that somebody's website says about me there. But these are, I took these from multiple websites. So there you go. <laughs> Oh, had your bias. (laughs) So uh, we are excited to have you. Uh, You you have a ridiculous amount of talent in so many different types of performances and shows. How do you describe to someone who has never seen what you do? How do you describe what you do to them? 
Oh, I try to avoid that situation, <laughs> but it does come up. And I, I start off by just by saying I'm a, I'm a comedian because I feel like that's the base mm-hmm. level of what I do. That's the, the essence of what I'm actually trying to offer to the audience is like joy, right? Yes. That's the out, that's the outcome. And I get at that in a bunch of different ways. Sometimes it's musical. Sometimes it's physical. Sometimes it's improvisational. Sometimes it's scripted. Um, and it's all just different ways to, 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 to wrestle the same monkey. Yeah. Now, now when I struggle with the same thing, when I tell people I'm a comedian, they're like, oh, that's cute. But what do you do for a job? <laughs> <laughs> well, so, Amy, my question for you is what do your parents tell people Ooh. you do? Um, you know, I don't know. No, they'll definitely be listening to this, so they can call in and answer that to themselves, <laughs> um, which I would not put past my They're like, my Are, Amy, mother. she's still alive? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they, they're very supportive and wonderful. Um, I don't know how they describe what I do other than, like, she does shows. Yeah. I okay. think that's, that's probably the simplest way. You know, I used to call myself a showgirl. But that's so demeaning. Why is showman and showmanship so gallant and debonair and showgirl just implies this gum-smacking, like, dancer idiot? But it's showbiz that I do. And I've been edging from... I I sort of started out as an actor, and then I edged... I went... I I veered into clown, and then I um, sort of... Went, got off into cabaret and variety and uh, comedy and music, and now I'm I'm coming full circle back to acting again and and writing because writing is really at the the center of all of it. Yeah, you got to be able to write a gag before you can do it. Yeah, yep. Now were you even if it's just in your head? You were you always super funny as a kid, or is that something that you developed? sort of as you were kind of beginning to entertain and found that you were just naturally good at it. Yeah, I was never funny. (laughs) Um, Thanks for laughing. (laughs) My brother was the funny one, and I think I saw the effect that he had on people. And, yeah, I was really serious, really nervous and anxious and, you know, got stress headaches when I was eight years old. I I was a total perfectionist freak. And that just didn't lead to anything good. So in my efforts to get around that, I studied improv, ah. like trying to trying to be cool with rolling with the punches in oh. form of the rest of my life. Did you go to formal theater school? Well, Western Washington University. <laughs> so no. So the school <laughs> itself was the theater. <laughs> um, I gave myself <laughs> straight A's the whole time. <laughs> I uh, I definitely studied theater history and theater. You know, I studied theater. I have a degree in theater arts as a, an actor and a director. Um, and I also had a concentration in choreography. I was big in, as, as, a, as a dancer. Um, I loved doing choreography because choreography for actors was always eventually physical comedy. You know, it's a I gateway class. Up, <laughs> I ended up choreogra- choreo- choreographing actors a lot which was just like okay let's figure out how to make you guys funny 
Yeah. <laughs> but body language has always been the language that I speak the most fluently. That is, that is, 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 uh, pre- prevalent. I, that I, I found a lot of, um, confidence and joy and, um, just myself being able to be my, my, my biggest, boldest, baddest self as a dancer. Ah. And I had bad knees and I couldn't really continue with that as a, like a, as a real profession or anything. Um, but learning how to use my body and being comfortable and confident in my body definitely is my happy place. Ah. Is, so are the all ba- that, all that comedy started as physical comedy and that is natural are the uh, bad knees what led to you using roller skates <laughs> well that's bad logic <laughs> <laughs> i got these crazy knees that i can't use very well how about i put them under serious stress all the time? I, I figured that would be less impact than dancing. well hacky sack was invented by knee surgeons for to recover from knee surgery oh, so was it real it was yeah, and How roller skates was invented by knee surgeons to up their business. <laughs> yeah, to... <laughs> yeah, trying to drum up business. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, 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 I eventually cured my bad knees by learning how to walk on stilts. Oh, huh. I had done everything. You know, I had orthotics and I had done years and years of physical therapy and I had a cane and, you know, I was dancing Anita in West Side Story and that, that just shows you how white bellingham is <laughs> and um and then at night at, by day i was wandering around on a crutch you know but in the end it was learning how to walk on stilts on cruise ships that eventually really strengthened and aligned my knees and body in the way that they needed to be to get over the the knee pain and at that same time i had brought a pair of roller skates on the ship to just have fun with, because I always liked roller skating. Was never mm-hmm. very good at it, but, you know, enjoyed going around Seward Park. Um, so I started, I put on the skates and was a little girl who couldn't skate on the on the pool deck, like, <laughs> like right by the pool, as just the, the most dangerous and precarious person that I could be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that just kept going and going and going and... You know, eventually I screwed up my knees entirely on roller skates, but it hasn't stopped me from using them. I would think that those are two things that you don't want to do on cruise ships, <laughs> roller skating and stilt walking. Yeah, no kidding. I just went for it. I just did all the things. I, I really enjoy comedy that, that is precarious, where yeah. you really don't know if the person is about to uh, fall off the edge, whichever edge that is, if it's verbal or um, psychological or physical in fact now you... i also i also learned how to do a roll of i was on the ice rink on the boat oh geez um on doing a roll of bola juggling knives and then we would go through it was it was on wednesday nights when we would go through this the strait of san juan that was always rocky to this day i don't juggle knives anymore it's just i'm <laughs> scarred literally it brings up motion sickness <laughs> You have to put a Dramamine patch on the back of your <laughs> ear just to juggle knives. Even it oh, out. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so because My career is one bad idea after the next. Since you grew up, you said you weren't funny, but you were sort of a perfectionist. Do you think that that sort of helped you hone in and perfect so many different talents? I mean, ukulele, 
comedy, you do verbal comedy, physical comedy, um, roller skating. You do so much. Do you think that that sort of mentality as a kid played a role in your genre? Well, you do have to have a long attention span to learn stuff. And I love learning stuff. My dad was an educational psychologist, so he really kind of got off on teaching me how to learn stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was I was his um, his sort of test. Um, <laughs> t- what, do you, what, do you, what do you call what do you call the monkeys? Subjects. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I I do feel like that um, being able to attend to a a, a little thing whether it's timing or you know minor muscle moves in your fingers or your abs or whatever it is you do have to have a long attention span to le- to learn skills mm-hmm. yeah but perfectionism i i'm just glad to be over that i mean i think it served as good fodder for my material because it's a, it's a bad idea that a lot of people subscribe to so people can get on board with it mm-hmm. but I don't I don't think it helps. You know, if if I had maintained that, I never would have gone out on stage. I would have stayed in the closet. I used to hide in the closets. Wow. Cuz I just wasn't good enough for anything. So like the closet uh, at home? Yeah. Or, or, or at Western. No, like the hall closet when I was a kid. Wow. I was really really shy. Wow, that's crazy to think. That someone so shy could, I, I feel like there is like some sort of motivational speaking circuit. <laughs> <laughs> the transformation. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to get the introverts to come out to the, <laughs> to the talk. <laughs> um, well, that's what Zoom is for, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Leave the... To, to, your, to the closet you're hiding in. <laughs> Now, speaking of, of Zoom, uh, so we're recording this in, what is it, it's June? June. It is June, June of 21, uh, 21. So we're hopefully at the tail end of the pandemic and all the quarantine stuff. When everything shut down about 18 months ago, did you switch to doing virtual shows or how did you kind of pivot yourself? No, I didn't. I still don't like doing virtual shows. I, I, I've done workshops and things. I enjoy that. I, I like communing with people. But shows, for me... Are, uh, I, I never got over that. I started doing audiobooks. What? Record, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 an, I'm an audiobook narrator for Audible these days. That's so cool. Yeah. Which is fun because I get to be characters and tell stories, which is just, you know, a lot of what I like to do. You know, do funny voices and, and um, have emotional scenes and you know, sex scenes, all kinds of things. <laughs> Wait, so are you playing both roles in the sex scene on the audiobook? You, you know, yes, of course. Um, you be there. Are, there are books that I that I play like ten characters, you That's know, amazing. from all around the world and different historical, you know, things. And I've I've had some really interesting books to read. And when I, I also love to read, so getting paid to read is oh is yeah not terrible. do you ever read a they send you the book and you have to read it first and then agree to it or is it something like okay listen we're paying you i'll read it and do it or have you ever been like no listen, this book is garbage there's no way i'm gonna it's 2020 2021 my tour uh is at a total standstill i'm gonna take whatever book is thrown <laughs> i will read blues yeah, clues i'll do the Love bible <laughs> I've done some some crazy books, not all of them good. (laughs) 
I've never listened to an audiobook. Uh, I got an eight-hour drive ahead oh, of me tomorrow. You're missing out. Maybe I should. It's so much fun. So, how long does an audiobook? I know how long it takes me to read a book. How long does it take to read out loud? Probably an less than three years. <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah, uh, I I put out like most of, most of the books that I've done are in the like anywhere from ten to twenty-five hours of wow. finished finished hours. And it takes about six hours of work for every one finished hour, I'd say. Wow. Because I'm editing it, too. I'm producing it. I'm doing all the, the audio and the post-production as well because, you know, I'm just at that point in my career. <laughs> I think that's a testament to who you are, though, in a sense, because... It's you, that perfectionism. Yeah, well, it is like, but you are so multifaceted as a performer and an entertainer that you were able just to pivot into something that is not necessarily what you have been doing the last 20 years, but something that is similar and interesting to you. Yeah. It's kind of the other side of the coin. You know, everything I'd been doing on stage was big and physical and, and visual and colorful and, uh, you know, super dynamic and this is tiny and restrained and super subtle. So I, 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 I like to learn stuff. I didn't know how to produce an audio book, but like I said, I'm willing to learn. Yeah. And I, I, I like, I like climbing a, a learning curve. So, um, it's been, it's been fun that, that's, that, that, that I, I learned a new skill and did it. I, I wish I didn't have to do all of that stuff. I wish we I could just do. tell the story. But given the option, I'd, I'd rather do something than, than nothing. Absolutely. Especially since I'm building a house and I need money. <laughs> <laughs> now, coming out the other end of this, do you think your audiobook skills will make you a better performer on stage? I hope so. You have Listen, it? at this point, I hope I go back to the stage. Yeah. I don't know. Right before I finished, or right before the, 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 the quarantine began, I had just closed a season with Big Apple Circus, mm -hmm. which I was the first ever female comedian ever to lead their show. That's amazing. As a, as a solo act. Um, I was actually the first ever comedian, you know, like I, the first person ever to speak in that role. Wow. Wow. Um, and the first person ever to do it solo, let alone just a woman, but mm. uh, because it's, it was, you know, it's a big thing. It's a, there are lots of entrances. Yep. So it was usually a duo, if not a trio and sometimes four people doing that part. So I was really, really tired. <laughs> well, there, there were, t there were times when we did 18 shows a week <sighs> and those are not simple shows. I was singing and skating and and being a pigeon yeah i saw the chicken is a ch i thought it was a chicken but it's a pigeon well i have a chicken act as well oh. but this is a different thing this is this, i was a pigeon i was pidge this new york city pigeon who couldn't fly <laughs> nice <laughs> which meant being in a deep plie and like and doing that undulate walk with my with my head and neck for two hours a day sometimes three times a day sometimes six times a week oh geez did you ever find like when you're walking around without the costume, you're still doing that? <laughs> oh, totally. And you know, it's really good for you. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, there's. I'm, I'm also I'm also working on this this speech. I've I've been I've been hired by one of the people that I did an audio book for, um, 
was a CEO of a company and he said, hey, you did so good on this and I've checked out your website. Do you want to be the keynote speaker at my convention this summer for my company? So I've been the thing that I'm is taking most of my time right now is working on this presentation all about um, the mind body connection. Um, So this is what I think about all the time now. And one of the one of the interesting things that I just discovered is that you know, like there, there are there are happy poses and there are sad poses and taking that pose actually informs the mind that you of that emotion. So you are that you, your, your mind then takes on the emotion that your body is conveying, whether you had that emotion before or not. And that works facially and it works also with your gait. Mm-hmm. So how you walk has a real effect on how you feel. And one of the things that makes a happy gait is a full undulation of your head. Yeah. <laughs> like walking like a pigeon. Yeah. And and a big swing of your arms and you know just full mobility, full like large expanded, but I was so like satisfied to find out that oh my gosh, walking like a pigeon for 6 months and all of its the tail effects of having walked like a pigeon for 6 months. <laughs> Has made me a happier bird on earth. <laughs> I've always thought that about pigeons. I've always been like, you know what? They look they look very content. It looks like he's got amazing <laughs> posture. <laughs> look at that six pack he's on rocking. that pigeon. He's, he's a rock rock dove. <laughs> fully fully rocking. Well, a long time ago, I did a workshop with a guy, and he said he called, he's like the, the different ways you walk. You lead with your head, your heart, or your hips, and that affects the character. You could you could you can expand that. Well, no. yeah, <laughs> I'm an idiot though. He had to give me the. <laughs> That was the cliff note version. The simple version. I, I said, can we get walk, the audio book version of this? <laughs> Let's speed this up. I have a 10-second attention span. Uh, so going back to the voice acting real quick, um, I f- read somewhere that you do a fabulous Hillary Clinton impersonation. <laughs> I did during 2015 and 16. I did a lot of that. Can we, can we, can we get a little taste of the HRC? <laughs> Oh my gosh, I would have to pull that up. Um, <laughs> You're just going to play an audio play, play play the audiobook you did. <laughs> you know, I, I, stopped, I had to stop doing it because after I, I did a Halloween, I did a gig in L.A. Um, that Halloween weekend of, of, of 2016 after she, after she lost. Mm-hmm. Well, it must have been. How was Halloween after she lost? Yeah, that's, Halloween. That's weird. Maybe it was 2017. Anyway, may, no, because it was right after. Maybe it was just in LA. Gosh, they celebrate that... Halloween for months. Yeah. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> anyway, I did. I did Hillary in LA right after the election, and it was so dire. I don't think I have ever died so hard <laughs> as, as because it just landed on people's souls. Oh yeah. In the saddest way oh. of like, you're not allowed to you're not allowed to to have fun with that character right now wait because we're all in deep mourning you haven't done it since then no oh you got you got to do it now someone someone needs to write an unauthorized biography Uh, and you do the audio right here is a soft landing to reinvent (laughs) and to try out the hurley clinton oh that would be nice i had also designed a whole show on her imagining that we were going to have this fabulous president yeah 
I had imagined a whole show. <laughs> so much time. Uh, so that is tough, the- though. I mean, when you invest all that time into something that can no longer be used because of circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's real because comedy is very, very dependent on how your audience feels yeah. about that character. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that kind of brings me to a question I had for you. It's like when it comes time to break in a new act, would you just – throw it in your show or do you like break it out in a small like cabaret show or like how do you break it in yeah yeah uh in general i would i would throw it up at a at a variety show and and see what happened um just out out of context just does it stand on its own Mm -hmm. and and then if it was worth working on then i would do that a bunch of times and and hammer out the the rough bits and then if it felt like it belonged in a in a larger show, then it would gently work its way in if it felt it if nice. if, if, it, if it felt the the um if there was some sort of synchrony with the with the themes and whatnot. I get kind of anal about like it's all gotta I'm trying to say something with shows, you know, I'm trying to get to a point which this interview would definitely not have people believe. But <laughs> it's the difference between stage you and real you. <laughs> exactly. I wander in all sorts of directions like a pigeon. Um, on stage I'm much more directed. That's that's pr- this this also goes back to my shyness, you know, when as a kid I just didn't tr- I didn't trust that I could ever get to the point. I felt like you know, and being able to like design a thing and write it and figure it out and rehearse it and and make sure that was exactly what I wanted to say gave me the confidence to actually say things out loud in public. Yeah. The- theater is a gr- is a is a great way for for people to, you know, get out of their proverbial closets. Yeah. Because it 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 assumes a little amount of this like very basic amount of control which you don't have anywhere else in life and you really don't have it on stage either i thought i did as a kid and that got me out of the closet but then eventually you realize that the less control you have the more fun it is for the audience yeah totally so the so you like shed the control like like skins you don't need and eventually you're cool with improv. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> eventually you're cool with it. I say that for, for my show is like, I worked for years to get it, hone it in and perfect it. But then I realized I, that's not what the audience wants. They want something like that feels organic and real. And I need to create these moments that they can sort of be a part of. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so then you have to work on, that's like a whole nother thing you have to work on. Well, and creating that's, those moments. That's one of the cool things about the moisture festival is that every show is unique and they're all things that are never going to happen again. So with this being the Moisture Festival podcast, how did you get involved in the festival? I grew up in Seattle. And that crew of, uh, like, the Fremont, um, free, wonderful Fremont weirdos that I, I always went to the, um, the solstice celebrations and stuff like that. So I knew those guys via that work. And then I... Uh, how did I get, I think it was, I think it was Ron Bailey. Um, yeah, it must've been. Yeah. Um, I had done, I had done shows at Annex with, uh, with Catherine and, um, and had 
yeah, I mean, I was in the Seattle theater world. So Mm -hmm. uh, when the Moisture Festival started searching around, I guess they remembered me. (laughs) 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 This is asking me to remember a long time ago. Well, do you remember, because what, the Moisture Festival's been 16 years? 17 years 17 or so. years? Do you remember yeah. about how early on you got into it? Oh, it was pretty early. Were they um, at Hales or in the tent? I had done it in the tent. Okay. Uh, and obviously at Hales. Um I don't. I have a terrible sense of time. I, I I I think about things in terms of like, well, where was I in the world? And I think that I was in Amsterdam the first time I started talking to them, which would have meant two thousand nine. Okay, so that's fairly early on. Now, when you you grew up in Seattle, when did you develop your act and your show in Seattle, or did you go somewhere else? Uh, obviously, you went I to Western. Yeah. And that's- yeah, I moved. I moved to New York in '97, and had uh, and started studying clown and improv in in New York, and developed acts and had a show um, with Michelle Matlock, who is another. She's, she's actually directing at Intimon these days. Nice. Um, we we had a we had a clown show called A Tale of Two Sillies. <laughs> And we started touring together and I directed a show for her. And then I met Jonah Logan with the Dare to Opera Company. And we toured together for seven years. I saw that show. five different shows. You I, did? I did. I saw wow. the, uh, I, I remember a dog, like a dog yeah, the house dog that was on like Spitfire, I think. Yeah, the Hound of Hades. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that yeah. show. It was great. Yeah, that was a, the Daredevil Opera Company. It was a pyrotechnic clown theater company. So everything—a everything, lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we 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 blew stuff up on stage. I imagine All theaters profit. were a little hesitant. They're like, yeah, maybe. Well, you know, it immediately like shuttled us onto big stages. Yeah. So even even in the very beginning of our work together we already were booked at the kennedy center nice because that's who could handle it but then there we were this also can backfire on you because there we were booked with our biggest pyrotechnic show the dragon's breath where you know we blew up like probably ten thousand dollars worth of pyrotechnics on stage especially in the finale which is just this enormous it's a carnival midway where the the breath of a dragon gets captured by an evil magician and these, this, you know, like clowns, uh, eventually free the dragon. But in the, as the dragon's breath gets freed, it, it goes on a rampage and explodes everything on the carnival midway. And this was just after nine 11. And the crowd was so shell shocked. (laughs) It's Hillary Clinton, but before <laughs> they bear, they bear, they could barely move, let alone applaud. At the end of it, the Kennedy Center was horrified. <laughs> Nobody knew, and they loved the show when they saw it. They just, in the context of uh, yeah. just after nine eleven in Washington D.C., people just yeah. couldn't take it. It's tough. <laughs> so we didn't do that show very much. <laughs> 
Well, I like the the ten thousand. Well, like when they get the price for the show, they're like, "Wow, this is pretty expensive." You're like, "No, ninety percent of that is just for stuff that we're gonna we're gonna blow up." We're just gonna blow that money up. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have to learn about pyrotechnics, or you just bring someone and you're like, "We want to blow up this whole midway," or do you have to kind of have a hand in that? Oh, I definitely had a hand in it. Jonah was the mastermind, and he had done pyrotechnics. He had wired pyrotechnic shows and fireworks uh, shows for, with his dad since he was a kid. So he was the the pyrotechnic designer and had all those ideas and, and knew how to execute it. But we also had to have a licensed pyrotechnician in every state yeah. and, and country we went to. And I learned how to fill out paperwork of how to ship pyrotechnics to Taiwan you know that <laughs> you're, was, you're just that, sending them back home <laughs> it was in, it was in that was the insane part I did eventually get my pyrotechnics shooters license Ooh, what is that it's just so I could you know blow stuff up legally <laughs> now did you have to get that card to fly in airplanes that I know a lot of fire like firework guys have a card that like when you swab my hands it's gonna come back that I'm a bomb but here's my <laughs> I've been cleared wish, by the TSA. I wish they would have had that card because we did get swiped for that several times. Oh, yeah. Because we just had gunpowder on everything because that fire-breathing hound of Hades was a, it was was canisters of black powder that we would mix in the wings. <laughs> so, so how do you explain to that to the TSA guy tapping his foot? We would have promo materials on us when we would go through and say, look, this is our show. We're... We, are a bunch of clowns and we blow stuff up and please don't let that hinder our passage into your country. <laughs> That's all terrorists need. A couple brochures, <laughs> some promo, some headshots. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. I'm curious because with the plethora of skills that you have, do you have like a daily regiment that you have to sort of maintain or to do to keep these skills sort of sharp, your music, your clowning, your writing, your skating. Like I have a hard time cooking breakfast regularly for myself. Like how do you keep all these skills like so well refined? Luckily, uh, like that book says, the body keeps the score. I don't, I don't skate every day. I just assume when I need it, it'll be there. And it is. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) So it's all muscle memory. Um, mostly muscle memory, although things like writing, you got to keep doing. Mm. And I work out like a fiend. I work out daily every day and I have to, I have to stretch, um, in the same way. And I sing pretty regularly, um, because that's stuff that can atrophy. And also when more importantly, it brings joy. Yeah. And w- without my own, without an audience, I just have to bring joy to myself at the very least. Yeah. So singing and dancing and working out and I've done, I've started doing things like hula hooping, which I was never very good at, but because I like to learn new stuff. I like stupid human tricks. Yeah. I like trying to figure out like, oh, how do like now my latest obsession is learning how to roll my belly. Oh, like, I, like a belly dancer. I've never been able oh, to do yeah, that yeah. before. And now I can. Nice. Now, uh, we obviously you have a lot of videos online of you playing the kazoo. And, um, so you call it the, I'm, I'm saying this right. The kazoochi. Yeah. How did you, you nailed it. How do you develop that? 
Good vibrations. <laughs> Two words for you. Yo, guh. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially, you play a kazoo using uh, only... Uh, your lady parts. Your lady parts. <laughs> That's and, not true. No, she uses her... Use oh, you use your mouth also. Orifices. Yeah. Yeah. But a different kazoo for the mouth. <laughs> Sometimes they do get mixed up. I, I cannot tell a lie. Now, I'm curious. It said, on your site, it says you can learn any song with enough practice. Do you think you could do American Pie? Um, is this some sort of booking? <laughs> I'm writing an audiobook about a woman who... <laughs> In general, I like songs that are short, have great intervals, like big like like fun leaps of intervals and and at least one moment that's really high but not too much mm-hmm. so like happy birthday would fit the bill happy birthday i've done many times that's great i've done the 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 schnee waltzer for the german audience <laughs> <laughs> um i've done dream the impossible dream oh that's great yep. i've done i started doing somewhere over the rainbow that was my first Uh, one that I did but America the Beautiful is really the best because it's that act for me is all about nationalism (laughs) and uh, and how I like to blow it out my ass yeah (laughs) I've never been more proud of my country than when I saw that (laughs) thank you thank you that means a lot so when you have the idea for this though and you first put it on stage when you walk out are you like what do you remember what's going through your the head commitment i was cracking up <laughs> that's how you know an idea is good is if it cracks you up it it made me it made me nervous i wasn't sure how people would respond but i was having a hard time keeping a straight face and so i knew it would be great because i knew i had to keep a straight face yeah. because the act doesn't work a lot of people have have like stolen the act cribbed it and done it and the thing that they always get wrong is that they try and be sexy mm-hmm. because it's not meant to be sexy. Yeah. It's, it's meant, it's meant to be quite a serious exposition of heartfelt, emo- complex emotions <laughs> expressed through a, 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 a profound, uh, pressure deep in my system (laughs) (laughs) now that video got what is in the top 30 of videos in the history of youtube top in the top 30 at one one time it was i got a message from youtube saying you have one of the top 30 (laughs) videos ever viewed on youtube i was like what is what do you have to do to get in the top 10 yeah like good lord monetized i never monetized (laughs) <laughs> other people did though yeah other people have made a lot of money off of that well it's funny when i was g- looking you up and googling you it said uh i typed amy g into the google and I said did you mean the best kazoo player in the world <laughs> <laughs> that's what came uh, yeah. back <laughs> because of covid you said you had a college tour that had been uh sort of postponed and you had been working d- diligently on that specific show and it was called hashtag no shame um yeah what about that uh did you have to shape for colleges or was it written specific for colleges with different a different skill set 
Yeah, it was it was made for colleges um, with a different set list, you know, using using music that that they would uh, respond to. And trying to to reach into that sort of difficult to reach place with that age group, um, because I found they're they're easily embarrassed. Yeah. But also, that's exactly the point in life where you got to learn to get over yourself. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I had something fun and important to share with them, but I knew it would be a hard message for them to receive because I'm talking about being comfortable with your, with the parts of yourself that society is less comfortable with. Yeah. So I really, I worked to try and make, uh, that kind of, uh, cultural discomfort or, humiliation or embarrassment or shame uh more uh fun and palatable of an experience for that age group so you can get through it and get over it and not worry about it yeah now come to find out (laughs) they don't (laughs) what so i totally dodged a bullet with having to do this show for them (laughs) Every, now listen, when I put it in front of them, they loved it. But because they're so conditioned at, at this time in our in our history to, that things have to be appropriate, mm-hmm. they watched my show and went, oh, that's so not appropriate. Yeah. And they self-censored. They, they, they were like victims of, of, of self-objectification, you know, just thinking about what people would think about them if they were the ones that would book this show. Yeah. So... Uh, it was very difficult to sell. It was great in front of them, but it was very hard to sell because they just were not hip to that concept yeah. of like, no, no, it's it's fun to be inappropriate. Yes. Well, I have a 17-year-old daughter, so I hear them talk about movies or shows they see, and I'm like, really? That's what you took away from that? <laughs> yeah. That's what you thought weird, was inappropriate? Right? When, <laughs> when, I, when I, we were that age, when I was that age anyway... All I wanted to be was inappropriate. Yeah. Yep. I was trying desperately to be inappropriate. So not only are you uh, doing voiceover during this COVID time, you've been developing it. Or I was kind of you got an award for a pilot that you produced or was it a short film? You won a bunch of awards for this film you put together. Yeah, I wrote a I wrote a sitcom pilot and I produced it and I filmed it and um and then it's in festivals at this right now it's in the festival circuit and it's done pretty well that's great thank you for checking that out it's called big time and it's semi-autobiographical of course (laughs) (laughs) you know i was working with a director and a producer and i wrote down probably 30 different ideas for pilots and of course he picks the one that's like the closest to my life so it was about (laughs) oh a middle-aged woman who's running away from the circus ah. um, to follow her dreams of becoming a TV star. <laughs> there you go. So of, of, of only, making oh, a, of making a pilot and putting it in film festivals. Only semi-autobiographical. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the details are, <laughs> I had freedom in the details. 
Now, you you funded this through like Kickstarter? I did. I raised about $30,000 through Kickstarter and my own um, efforts to, to make the thing. And I am so grateful to all of the 68 backers that I had. Man, that together. 68 people contributed $30,000. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was truly amazing. And I, I had an original goal of, I think 15 mm-hmm. and I hit that in two days and was like, Oh my God. <laughs> I just, I can, when I think about it, I can still feel the flush. Oh yeah. Like that, that hot feeling in the back of my head of like, this is actually going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> if I did, I'd be like, God damn it. I have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, 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 it's been a real process and it doesn't end, you know, now that I've, I've, done it and produced it now i feel like well i can't just let it like nobody's i'm not going to these festivals i don't get to like go yeah. and walk in a red carpet and have my picture taken in front of um you know, oh that's uh that's too bad that'd, yeah. be, that'd, that'd be great i know it's it's it that's really no fun so now i'm trying to figure out how do i leverage this as an actor and as a writer because really what the experiment showed me was that i just i just want to write comedy for tv yeah that's that's what I've been enjoying so much. So now I just, I spend a lot of time devising new pilots and writing episodes for shows that are already on TV. I just you do some <laughs> I, fan fiction. I, I just wrote a spec episode of um, what we do in the shadows. That oh, nice. Really cracks me up. Yeah. I mean, that show, I just think that it, that is just one of the funniest shows yeah, on TV. It's fantastic. So is that something so, like people might buy your, your film or your pilot and potentially, make it into a sitcom? Well, dare to dream, yeah. right? <laughs> I I don't I I don't I don't think that that's a likely outcome, but uh I hope someday I can make my money back on it. <laughs> don't wait. Other another. other people's money back on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of that money was mine. Ah, okay. I, mean, I I put I put in about half of it. Oh, wow. So it was really only 34 backers. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's still sixty-eight. Back. They probably only gave about eighteen grand. <laughs> oh wow! So, um, any like, what are you most excited about coming up? You said you're writing TV spec scripts. You want to write for TV? Is that sort of? Are you looking forward to maybe getting back out there, or are you just enjoying the life at home, doing audio, writing every day, building a house? Like, what? What's? What are you most excited about coming up? Well. I, I guess all of the above. I I do enjoy my 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 new life here. I mean, I was twenty years on the road, ten months out of the year, and this is the first time I've sat down for ev- this long ever mm-hmm. since I was you know living in my parents' home when I was fifteen years old. So actually having a house and I'm like learning to garden and I'm cooking and you know doing all of that stuff is super domestic and weird and amazing to me. <laughs> I love how that's the weird weird thing for you. Yeah. Whereas oh, your life would be so bizarre to everybody else. It's it's really something crazy just to watch all four seasons change in one place. Yeah. And and, and it's and I'm kind of extreme because I don't ever even leave the property. I I just I, I, I go for runs and things, but I, I don't have that many reasons to leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in a, from, from going like definitely five boroughs in one day when I was home and 
usually at you know at least five cities in a in a month if not one city for five months that is not my own mm-hmm. um to just sitting down in one place and never like really just reading and writing and cooking and gardening and and lifting weights is <laughs> 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 like, it is a it is a absurdly privileged yeah. i feel i feel very just cosseted by the world um at the moment but i also kind of i do want a, a, I, I, an audience again someday <laughs> <laughs> and i and i still do um i am excited about writing because i'm learning a new skill and puts to use everything that I've learned about comedy over the years in a, in a new way that would have a a bigger audience. You know, I, I played for mostly like 500, 2000 seat venues all that time. And it's just a lot of work (laughs) to do to entertain, you know, 500 to a thousand people a night or twice a night, every night, six nights a week week on week month on month Mm -hmm. so i feel like writing it is for an audience that will get to see it on netflix ad (laughs) ad nauseum yeah uh is just much more efficient of a way to deliver (laughs) that better better (laughs) comedy delivery system (laughs) exactly exactly i can still give the same giggles but just with way less uh carbon footprint and and sweat and you can stay home and garden yeah i'm a terrible gardener but again i do like learning well i fingers crossed i would love to see the pilot yep i don't know how how we would be able to see it but i would love to see it well put yourself put yourself on my on my mailing list when it is free from the festival constraints i will be putting it up online for uh, video on demand and um, I would love to be able to share it with you. Yeah. So uh, on my website, bigtimeseries.com, there is a, a, a subscribe. And or on Instagram, I have a, I have a, a big time series uh, Instagram page. And that will also be a place where I will say, give links to how to watch the thing on demand when it, when that becomes available. And you can also find her at amy-g.com. Amy G Force is my own uh, Instagram. Amy G Force, I yeah. like that. Amy G Force is my thing. <laughs> now, this yeah. since this is for the Moisture Festival, do you have any um, memory, specific memories from the festival, or something that you uh, wish you had in the last year and a half besides <laughs> the amazing audiences? I love the community of artists as well. I mean, the backstage scene is always the best. But also the fact that they trust me to be able to like kind of bring whatever I want to bring. Yeah. So and knowing that there's going to be a community of artists, I've been able to have some really fun collaborations on the on the Moisture Festival stage, like with my friend Nate Cooper, who is a fantastic tap dancer and he's also a roller skater. And we once did an, did an act together that was also scuttled by injury Um <laughs> But we did a, 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 what do you call it, um, conjoined sisters act. Oh, nice. Oh, yes. We're tap dancing on roller skates, but 
joined at the hip. <laughs> um, and you can guess what the injury was. <laughs> Name that injury. Um, <laughs> no, but I, he was also in town for the for the Moisture Festival, and so I got to do one of my favorite acts with Nate, uh, which was just a super super memory and so much fun That's awesome. and the audiences loved it just as much as we did i think <laughs> sometimes it's hard to tell they're so good you're like, you're like that true. joke was not that funny come on now <laughs> very spoiled with the audiences at the moisture fest <laughs> oh not not uh not to mention that my mother always brings 60 of her best friends oh she packs the room <laughs> yeah those were all the backers for the kickstarter <laughs> yeah <laughs> on math. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amy, we want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to uh, talk with us today. It was, it's awesome hearing all about all the stuff you've accomplished and all the stuff that you continue to do. And it's inspiration. It's an inspiration to hear that you just keep, keep creating. I yes. mean, how cool is that? That's awesome. So we appreciate it. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. Well, thanks so much for having me here. No problem. <laughs> That's it for today, folks. Want to thank you so much for listening. If you want to check out more information like who's performing, how to volunteer, how to contribute, be sure to go to the Moisture Festival website, which is moisturefestival.org. If you like this podcast, you can check out the podcast that Matt and I do called the Odd and Off Beat Podcast. Yeah. You can get on all of the podcast places, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and where we talk about weird news stories of the day. It's a good time. Yeah. If you like this podcast, you will love that because it is all things weird. <laughs> <laughs> and that has links to my personal page and Louis Fox's personal page if you want to follow what we do individually. So we want to thank all of the performers, donors, sponsors, volunteers who put Put on the Moisture Festival. It really takes a village to make this thing happen. Absolutely. We want to thank you for listening, and we want to thank you in advance for coming out to the Moisture Festival. So be sure to check out the Moisture Festival's site. They also have a Facebook page, an Instagram page, and a YouTube page to see how you can get involved and be a part of this year's or next year's Moisture Festival. We want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast, and we hope to see you soon. See you later. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast and stay moist.